This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSC.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. It's a big Tuesday night of college basketball in the state of South Carolina and outside the state of South Carolina, which is where we are. We're in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, home of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. We're at the Joel Coliseum, one of my favorite stops along Tobacco Road. This is a, a beautiful old coliseum. Not that old. It's not old as in, like, really old, but it's been around long enough. But it's a beautiful arena. And tonight, Clemson and Wake Forest will do battle. Clemson, of course, leading the ACC, who would have thought that at the beginning of the basketball season? The Tigers are 15-3, and 7-0. Every win right now in the ACC for them is a new record win for them because they've never been 6-0. and They've never been 7-0. and And they win tonight. For the first time, they'll be 8-0 in ACC play. But they've got a tough challenge tonight. Wake Forest is a good basketball team. Steve Forbes, the head coach. B.J. Mackey, one of the assistants. The Deacons are 13-5, and 5-2 five, five and two in the uh, ACC. So they know this is a big chance for them to gain some ground on the Tigers in ACC play tonight. Should be an excellent ball game. 9 o'clock tip tonight here in uh, Winston-Salem. The uh, game to be televised on the ACC Regional Sports Network. That's your Bally Sports Outlet. And, uh, you know, I wonder, what, what is the purpose of the ACC Network? This is, this is the biggest game of the night, I would say, for the ACC in basketball. And it's not on their ACC, their established ACC uh, network, per se. It's, uh, you know, they still – and people ask all the time, you know, why does the ACC, ACC still have this, this regional network um, arrangement? And that's because of the contracts that they had with Fox Sports and those networks that service the area. And then Bally Sports bought that network from Fox Sports, and that contract is still in place. So the ACC is obligated to provide uh, their games to a Bally Sports to have on this ACC regional network. But you would think this game would be on the ACC, the major ACC network, the primary network, but it is not. So we're here for this. And we'll be talking about this game tonight, and we'll be reporting on the game on uh, our Twitter throughout uh, the ball game, starting a little bit after 9 o'clock at Sports Talk SC, and then post game on our website, sportstalksc.com. You'll hear from the Clemson folks who talk afterwards. In Columbia, South Carolina takes on Ole Miss at the Colonial Life Arena, two teams that are really uh, struggling. South Carolina at least does have one SEC win. That was over Kentucky, of course, on the road. This Ole Miss team that South Carolina plays tonight is 0-5 in SEC play. So they are in dire need of a win in league play. And they have struggled uh, all season long. They are 8-9. and Kermit Davis, the head coach, they are 0-5 in league play. Uh, they have lost 
six in a row coming into this game tonight in Columbia. So this is a, a game that South Carolina, uh, sh- well, would you say should, could uh, put into the winner's bracket tonight. Uh, this game will be on the SEC Network. Look who's in town. Our man Mike Morgan is on the call tonight on the SEC Network, tipping off at 6.30 in Columbia. Chris Deering will be covering the game for us here on uh, the Sports Talk Media Network. He'll be tweeting out coverage on our Twitter, and also he'll join us at halftime to give us a recap, and he'll have a recap a game story on our website, sportstalksc.com. So we got that covered for you as well. Meantime, Pat Daniel is back in Columbia at the Dave & Buster Studios, and we have Chris Bergen with us, Bergie. Not involved in any basketball tonight. He comes to us from the Bergy Palace in Sardis. Did you, um, in the in your days, ever make many trips up and down Tobacco Road for basketball? Have not. Surprisingly, uh, Coastal has not played. Now, baseball, Coastal baseball has done a nice job of mixing in Wake Forest and NC State and North Carolina over the years, both in Chapel Hill and also the return visits back to Conway. But basketball, at least while I've been working with the team, has not had that opportunity with only play a few games in the state of North Carolina, obviously Appalachian State, which is a conference game, and usually UNC Wilmington is on the mix just because they're only about an hour and a half apart, those two uh, schools between Wilmington and Conway. But, no, haven't had a chance over the years, even back to college. Uh, never never ran up that way. I've been to uh, Chapel Hill to see a ball game. I actually did a, a women's game for Coastal many, many years ago up there at Old Carmichael Auditorium. And I think I've done one actually in the Smith Center as well, but never been to Cameron, have never been to Wake Forest's facility, never been to NC State's facility. So I'm not uh, even growing up in the state of North Carolina, never ventured out to the East Coast and, and saw any of those games in person all that often. So I'm kind of envious of you being at Winston, in Winston-Salem tonight at one of the, I, I, you know, they used to always play a lot of their games, what, in the, in the Lawrence Joel Coliseum, is that still where they are? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's, play, okay. They okay. used to have the old, I think it was called Memorial uh, Auditorium in downtown right. uh, Winston-Salem. They built this arena out here um, on the, I guess it's kind of the, out, at that time it was the outskirts of uh, Winston-Salem. I'm not that familiar with the layout. But um, everything's kind of grown up around it. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got the football stadium. A Grove Stadium is right down the street. I think the baseball stadium is, is right up the street. So, um it's a beautiful arena. They've hosted uh, uh, NCAA regionals here, and of course, they've had some great teams come through here. And it looks like Steve Forbes and BJ Mackey and that staff are, you know, starting to get it together. And they're still young in their building stage, but they're off to a good start this year. And um, they have high hopes of a high finish in the ACC and making the NCAA tournament. You know, and and this is a game, as you pointed out a couple of minutes ago, Phil, awfully important for them just to bounce back and maybe send a message to Clemson that they aren't as bad as they were the first go-around between those two teams. You know, Clemson handled Wake Forest pretty easily back mm-hmm. in early December. Not sure many people actually remember that ball game because that was, as we talked about last night, still smack dab in the middle of football season. But the uh, Tigers had five players in that ball game scoring double figures, including Alex Hemingway. I'm guessing he's not available tonight for them, uh, which is a, a miss from the outside because he knocked down four threes in that ball game. But Clemson's already proven they can beat Wake Forest on their home floor. See how they uh, translated up in Winston-Salem. And uh, Pat brought up an interesting uh, note about why the game is on the regional sports network. And I, I agree with you. I think it's ridiculous. And Pat's, Pat's telling us that actually the uh, schedules are made months in advance with the TV contracts. But can't you make a change? I mean, NC State, Georgia Tech, or Clemson-Wake yeah. Forest at this point in time, which would you rather see as a fan? 
Yeah, really. I mean, if the <laughs> NFL could have flex schedules, mm-hmm. I mean, you would think that the uh, ACC, SEC, they could do that, get their best games on uh, on their major network. Yeah, that was a 77-57 Clemson win at Little John back on December 2nd when yeah, people weren't paying attention. But since then, Wake Forest has been really good, and they're coming in on a three-game winning streak. They won at Louisville, but who doesn't? But they won uh, by eight. Uh, they beat Florida State by 15, and they won at Boston College by uh, 22. So they're coming in on a bit of a, a hot streak. They're averaging 77 points per game. They shoot it well at 47%, about 38% from three. So uh, Clemson's defense will certainly be challenged tonight, and, of course, that is what Brad Brownell likes to hang his hat on is getting out yep. there and playing some really good defense. And one thing they probably want to avoid, especially tonight on the road, is not the start they had last uh, last go-round between these two. Clemson was down, what, seven points at halftime and came back and just uh, dominated the second half. That's probably not going to be the recipe for success on the road tonight. Same thing for South Carolina. You mentioned Chris Deering's going to be over at Colonial Life Arena. He'll check in with us at halftime. I've got a pretty good idea of what the score is at halftime. That team is probably going to go on and win. Gamecocks have been really, really good when they've had the lead at halftime and gone into the second half. They've got to get off to a much, much better start against the team. Quite frankly, they, they need to beat and should beat at home but good grief! When you've lost your last two home games by combined eighty points, mm. kind of hard to mm. <laughs> kind of hard to really uh, wonder what's going to be expected from the Gamecocks tonight. But they need to get off to a, a good start here in the first half. Both Absolutely. of the teams do. Yeah, and they're going to have to generate their own enthusiasm, I would imagine, because it's a Tuesday night game. And uh, look, they're not going well, so people aren't going to show going to show up. Uh, as you mentioned, their last two home games were just. Um, Gosh, the first one, Tennessee, you thought would be about as bad as it could get, and then the one this past Saturday was equally as bad. So, mm-hmm. And they just got to get more physical. Um, Lamont Paris has said that after both of those games. That his guys just aren't sticking their nose, as Will Muschamp used to say. you got to put your – you got to stick your face in the, uh, in the propeller, uh, in the mm-hmm. fan. you got to stick your face in the, fa- in the fan there. And they have just not been uh, willing or able – uh, to do that to this point, and they're getting they're getting bounced around, they're getting pushed around, um, and when G.G. Jackson's not scoring for him as he did not score in those two losses, funny, he goes to Kentucky, has a very nice game, and Michi Johnson, they were a good complement for one another. Uh, they both scored at will, and these two home games, you know, just the opposite. Now, you know, Texas A&M, uh, normally plays an extremely physical brand of basketball. Tennessee has a, a great team, even though they lost to Kentucky. You look at them, they're long, lean, they're athletic. You know they're really, really good. This is Ole Miss. This should be a team they should match up well. They've got the home court for whatever that's worth to them. But this is not a good team coming into Columbia tonight. Uh, they, as I mentioned, have lost six in a row including North Alabama, lost that one by a point, lost by four. Now, you know, this is a credit. They went to Tennessee, played them to a four-point game. Then they go to Alabama, and they lose by 22. Okay, well, those are two great teams. Mm -hmm. Um, They lose by 10 at Mississippi State. I'm sorry, the Tennessee game was at home. They lose it by four at home to Tennessee, then go to Alabama, then go to Mississippi State, play Auburn and lose by nine, and play a very improved Georgia team and lose by four. Their record might be a little misleading. They're 0-5, but look who they've played. Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, and Georgia, four of those five games. So the record looks ugly. They might not be as bad as the record indicates. That's why South Carolina had better come out and play some decent basketball tonight. 
and it would help if Hayden Brown's able to go for them, give them anything off the bench if he's not able to start the ball game tonight. And some of the reports out of Columbia, he is going through pregame warm-ups, but he's got a big wrap on his thigh. You'll remember that's the reason he sat out against Texas A&M. Lamont Paris saying he had a deep thigh bruise. They need him because he was asked, Lamont Paris was in the postgame, who's the guy that you know sort of matches up and is physical and will give you that kind of energy who's the one uh, who's the guy and actually i think john widow asked him who are the guys and basically lamai paris said well hayden brown hmm. and uh, so so they need him just for his energy and what he brings to the table and if they can get anything out of him tonight i think that'll be a plus for usc he is listed as a starter tonight at this point so as long as he doesn't aggravate I think it's that mm-hmm. bruise, right? As long as he doesn't aggravate that, um, then he should be he should be good to go. Okay, so we got all that going on. We're going to stay on top of it. Our phone number, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number here on Sports Talk. If you would like to uh, join us on the program, and we'll make uh, time and room for your phone calls because we got plenty of time and we got plenty of room. Let me hit on a couple of uh, notes here before we hit our first break. Because I know Gamecock fans in particular, you're anxious to know the latest on Trajan Jeffcoat, the defensive end who was hoping to transfer into South Carolina. And things got uh, messed up here somewhere along the lines. And after talking to uh, a couple of sources of my own and then you know, seeing what was written last night by J.C. Sherbert of the Big Spur, and we put out some stuff last night, and we got some new stuff here today. So this is not an academic thing at all. And what we've come to learn today is that efforts are still ongoing today to get him into school, to get him accepted. And this might have to go all the way up to the president to get it done. And they have until midnight tonight, I'm told, because today was the last day to be in classes uh, to, I guess, be able to get a grade, get your grades for this semester. So I, I'm told you he's, they've got until midnight tonight to see if they can get it resolved. And uh, from what I'm told, uh, you know, this all dates back to uh, an issue uh, in his early years at Missouri, uh, not illegal, not academic, just, you know, some things. I, I certainly cannot go into detail. But um, it's come back now to be a problem at South Carolina, and, and they will have to answer to that at some point in time if anybody ever cares to address it. And so, obviously, this is something that's got Shane Beamer upset. I'm sure. I'm not speaking for Shane Beamer. I would imagine he's upset. I would imagine the coaching staff is upset because this was a perfect um, replacement uh, for Birch at South Carolina at that defensive end spot, maybe even an upgrade because this guy is a pro. This guy was an all-SEC player a couple years ago. This guy is a guy that chases the quarterback and gets sacks. And he wanted to be in, in South Carolina. He's from Irmo. Uh, I was told that he actually, um, and, and this is something we have to point out this day and age, uh, what he was going to make NIL-wise at South Carolina was going to be less than what he was going to make at Missouri, but he was happy to take it because he wanted to be in Columbia. He wanted to play his last year uh, back close to home and um, with the Gamecocks. So, that 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 situation, um, you know, it, it looks kind of dire for South Carolina from that standpoint. But again, I'm told they're still working on it and um, they're trying to get it done if they can here by sometime tonight. In the meantime, Beamer put out another commitment alert late last night during the Buccaneers Cowboys football game. He puts out a commitment alert for the 23 class, and not sure yet who that is. I don't believe anybody's come forward to claim it. It is not Elijah Caldwell 
from Northwestern, the wide receiver. I, I spoke with him this afternoon. It was not him. He said he is taking an official visit to South Carolina this weekend after taking one to NC State this past weekend. One more thing to mention, then we'll go to the break while I'm talking about NIL and stuff like that, talking to a source this afternoon. I understand that here in the near future you're going to there's going to be a major shakeup at South Carolina related to collectives and uh, I'm not privy to go into great detail but there is a major shakeup coming from that standpoint and uh, a major new effort is going to be launched to take South Carolina from the collective standpoint up to a a much higher level um and, and that'll be coming out, I guess, you know, maybe a week, 10 days, something like that. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, I, you know what I was told, Chris and Pat, about, um, you know, you try to figure out how much of a, how much does a, a prospect, an athlete, um, deserve to get from an NIL standpoint when you're talking about, you know, when schools are talking about or collectors are talking about uh, giving them uh, money. Um, what I'm told is they look at the, the NFL evaluation monetarily, and typically, it's about 70%. It seems to be in this so-called industry now, about 70% of what your evaluation is monetarily for the NFL is about what they look at when they talk about um, how much money you're worth from a, a collective standpoint. So all these things we're learning as time goes on in dealing with this situation now that's presented itself in, in college athletics. But just keep an eye on that coming in the next uh, week or 10 days. So is that formula also relatable or you know transferable over to basketball and baseball? Do they use the contracts that you may get slotted in as a rookie in the NBA and uh, you know professional baseball contract and take 70, 60, 50 percent of that for players of those sports too? Yeah, you know I can't. I only was talking football, so it stands to reason that that mm-hmm. equation would apply. It stands to reason, but I, I, again, I was just talking football with this person so who would, who would have an idea of, of what's going on. So, um, but I, I would imagine that might be something that they would apply uh, from a basketball. Of course, you know, think about this when it comes to the, um, and maybe you can correct me, maybe Pat can correct me when you, when you're talking about what a, a lottery pick makes in the NBA versus what a first rounder makes in the NFL when their initial contracts, don't the NBA guys do a whole lot better? The lottery picks, in terms of their guaranteed money in the first round? Um, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. I guess there's signing bonuses with the NFL. They throw a lot of signing bonus money in there. But I think maybe those contracts for the NBA uh, lottery picks might be uh, higher than what the NFL guys get uh, in, with the, the way they're slotted uh, through the through the first round i'd have to look at that and see when you speak of guarantees you're you're right there phil uh nba contracts are guaranteed nfl contracts are not necessarily guaranteed yeah. so you get those lottery picks in the nba uh, are typically higher but again keep in mind there's only two rounds in the nba draft as opposed to seven plus supplemental rounds in the nfl draft so it's a lot more players involved um, and maybe this is something we could touch on after the break if, you, if you'd like but i'm curious you and I spoke off-air the other night about, uh, in particular, Spencer Rattler and what put, and again, this is hypothetical. I don't believe we have any of this factual, but if if he was seeking compensation via NIL in order to return to South Carolina as opposed to going to the NFL, I would be curious to know how that goes along with his NFL draft grade. And what I mean is, 
and again, please correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't the figures that you had been told by some sources somewhere in the five million range, give or take? Is that right? I had heard, I was told that that was something that his camp was seeking. Now, did they come close to getting that at South Carolina for him to come back? I don't think so. But that might have been what the, you know, the opening conversation might have might have been about in terms of the dollars that he, they were seeking from um, okay. an NIL standpoint. Where uh, I'm going with that is um, this is all via SpotTrack.com, S-P-O-T-R-A-C. It's an incredible resource. All contracts are listed there. It shows going back years and years. And every NFL draft and what that player was slotted and what they were slotted per position within each round and then what they were to expect each round. And where I'm going with this is uh, the in the 2022 draft, $5 million was the expected total value of rookie contracts for quarterbacks. So I'm wondering if that means that we could extrapolate from that that Spencer Rattler's draft grade was somewhere around the third round because that is what his proposed value would have been in the draft, would be somewhere around $5 million. So it would seem logical to me if I'm a player deciding between going to the draft or coming back, well, if I'm expected to go, I'm getting graded around the third round, and I would then expect to get somewhere around $5 million. Well, if you want me to come back, I expect to see similar or comparable value. And I just can't help but wonder if maybe that's what some of these players are looking at is we have the data now to show where in the draft you're taking, what value you expect to get. And if you're able to get a grade via NFL scouts, agents, whatever, uh, to tell you what round they would expect you to go in, well, then you could take from that what your personal value is and what to then come back to the school and ask for from those NIL NIL collectives. Just a thought. Makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense, and it kind of adds up yeah. to what we're talking about here. Again, I, I I heard five million. Maybe that's related to what he got back from his NFL grade. And I guess Chris Rattler and Wells and Wells I heard was told was seeking about half that. And again, that's unofficial. I don't know that for a hundred percent certainty. But I mean, I guess they they weighed everything and and felt like for their draft future. Come back to South Carolina, uh, have a great year uh, individually, and help South Carolina win some games. And then their draft status is going to uh, to climb substantially for both of them to where they might be knocking on that that first round door come next spring. You know that was always the uh, the allure to go back to college for many many years was the uh, fact that you know if I go back and perform a little bit better maybe I take myself from a, a third round draft pick to back into the first round or par- perhaps in the upper echelons of the uh, second round. Now you've got to not only contend with that and determine if that's what you want uh, in terms of your NFL future, but also hey, how much money can I make now in college? Uh, let's put, get a bidding war here going on to see where see where things might actually play out. I'll stay here for another year because I'll actually make more than I would in the NFL, and then I'll move on after after this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also uh, today, uh, shocking news coming out of the Low Country, out of the Charleston area. Scott Eisberg, our buddy down in Charleston from WCIV, he got the story. He got the phone call from Dr. Jerry Brown, who told him Brown. Uh, was called into the principal's office, I know that feeling, uh, with the AD and the school district rep and was fired, told his services were no longer needed. So he is out as the Berkeley head coach. And um, he told Scott, not sure if he'll stay in town, but Jerry Brown, who uh, this was his second run at Berkeley, 
had a very successful run uh, first time around, won some state championships, if my memory is right, and now he's out at Berkeley. Uh, also today, um, up in the upstate, uh, we have uh, Coach Jeff Tate at Wren, Coach and AD at Wren. Uh, he is retiring, Pete Yannity sharing that news with us this afternoon. So he is retiring. So that's another uh, mega high school coaching job in the state that is uh, now available here in the uh, in the offseason. Yeah, Jeff Tate, he announces his retirement, wants to spend more time with his family, got a handful of grandkids. He was 110 and 68 in 15 seasons, won the 2019 4A championship, and um, – been working in high school athletics for over four decades. So, Coach Jeff Tate, boy, he's put out some players there at Wren, especially quarterbacks who like to throw it a lot. Uh, he produced a lot of those guys. So he is uh, retiring there at Wren. And we're going to retire to the break here at the bottom of the hour. We're back in a moment. <laughs> I wonder if Bobby Bentley would jump into one of these uh, open jobs. How about that, Chris? You think uh, wow. the legendary Burns coach might? Because you know he's looking for a job if he wants to coach again since he was on that South Florida staff that got let go. And, uh, you know, you got the Wren job is open. That's up in his neck of the woods. That's not – I mean, he could uh, – I don't know where he still has property, where he still has a home or whatever. But you got the Wren job. You got – the Berkeley job, and there are others open around the state. In fact, um, I think he was interested in the West Side job before Brian Lane, his uh, former Burns quarterback who came over from Clover, took that job. The Clover job, I think, is open. So I wonder if he'll jump into one of these spots. Well, you know, uh, especially Wren seems to be a sort of mouthwatering for him because they play the style of football he coaches. Yeah. Uh, sling it all over the lot and get a good quarterback that can move it up and down the field and score 70 points a game. So, Wren, uh, that's a, that's an interesting thought. I would have not thought about Bobby Bentley returning to high school football but in our state, but good grief. He's had tremendous success over the years, um, and I would think Wren might make some sense if, if he wants to get back into the business. Yeah, just thinking out loud about that. Okay, welcome back into Sports Talk. Here on this uh, Tuesday night, Phil Kornblut here at the Joel Coliseum in Winston-Salem, which is basically uh, empty right now. Uh, of course, it'll be – I imagine they'll have a good crowd here tonight for this one. Uh, two good teams. And, of course, you've got the ACC leader in Clemson coming in here tonight. And Wake Forest, I would think, would sense that they have a chance to knock off the Tigers and hand them their first league defeat and uh, get some revenge for that 20-point loss at Clemson on December 2nd. You're right, Chris. That was a game that Wake actually led mm -hmm. in the second half, and then Clemson uh, turned it on, and, boy, they put together a big run and put the uh, Demon Deacons away. Meantime, over at the Colonial Life Arena, a uh, stop me if you've heard this before, a slow start for South Carolina. <laughs> Ole Miss has jumped up 12-4 to on the Gamecocks. And uh, that's at the first media timeout, shooting 63%. The Gamecocks off to a two-for-8 shooting night. And um, Johnson's got two and Gray's got two for the Gamecocks, who started uh, they started Carter, Johnson, Brown, Jackson, and Gray tonight. So um, 
and they got Auburn coming in on Saturday, the Gamecocks do, Chris. I mean, this season could spiral out of control very quickly here uh, as they continue through this SEC schedule. And, and you just have to wonder, you know, Lamont Paris, um, what can you sell to recruits? Number one, you got to go back and re-recruit um, Gigi Jackson, I would imagine. I mean, yeah. is he thinking, hey, I'm good enough, I've proved it, I can go to the pros from here? Are the pros going to discourage him? Are they going to encourage him? Um, does he like it enough to want to come back for another year? Uh, and then you've got, you know, the guys they are recruiting, the guys they've already signed, and then the guys they are recruiting. How do you – I mean, if, if it's a terrible season, I mean, there's opportunity. You say, hey, you got opportunity to come in here and play right away, look at our team, and look who we're losing. we got room for you. But then again, if you're one of those elite that can be a difference maker – they don't want to go to a place where it could be two, three years before they make the NCAA tournament. No. No, you're right. And and they've got to find a way to at least turn it around and, and be competitive. I don't think Gamecock fans would be upset if they finished below 500 in the league, below 500 overall. I think we all anticipate that's coming. They just don't have enough talent right now to contend with the teams that they're going to play week in and week out, night in, night out in the SEC. But one thing, Phil, is just the fact they, they have not been competitive, especially at home. And that's, that's a head-scratcher. They were much more competitive at Kentucky. And right now, Ole Miss is on pace to do another, you know, 48-15 to 15 mm. type rebounding edge. I mean, they're dominating the backboards even, albeit five minutes in. They've already gotten a pair of offensive rebounds and scored off of both of those. So, South Carolina's got – I don't know what Lamont Paris he, – he's, he's playing the hand that he sort of compiled along with the hand he's been dealt. But he's got to get some more energy. He's got to light a fire under those guys, and, and I'm not sure he's doing all of that right now because uh, I can look at rebounds, and that's that's one of the big energy stats. And South Carolina, especially at home for whatever reason, they just don't rebound, and there's just no excuse for the lack of uh, getting on the boards. I mean, I've watched some one the first rebound of the game. Ole Miss won the tap, and their first shot they missed. Ball came out to about the uh, foul line. And the Ole Miss guys just outran USC's defenders to get to the loose ball. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a situation where they didn't box out. They just didn't go get the ball. Their SEC numbers are abysmal. So the Gamecocks in SEC play only as a team, they're shooting uh, 39% overall. They are shooting 31% from three. Now, they are shooting free throws well. They just don't get to the line. They're 59 – I'm sorry – 39 of 50 from the foul line. That's 78%. But that's not many free throws. They are being out-rebounded. You touched on this, Chris. They're being out-rebounded by 16 boards a game in SEC play, 42 to 26.8. All right, make that 15 rebounds per game. 15 rebounds per game you're getting out-rebounded. They're being outscored in SEC play by 21 points per game. And, uh, and that includes the Kentucky win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's Sadly. it is all it is it is terribly one sided for them in SEC play. And um, I mean, look, the uh, oh, they got flamethrowers behind the backboards here at Winston Salem. How about that? I just saw. Yeah, they got these little flamethrowing things <laughs> that go off behind the backboard. That's pretty cool. Well, I was wondering during the break, it sounded like there was a concert going on up well, there. Well, they were testing the Pat. sound system, and <laughs> it works. I'm happy okay. to tell them the sound system works just fine. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it's you mentioned the, the old arena here. Back in the days when South Carolina was a, a great program and was winning in the ACC, and, of course, 
they were at war with everybody in the ACC. I mean at war. Um, and I'm sorry for the people of today who did not have the chance to enjoy as a fan those days in athletics because they yeah. that period between, I'm just going to say, 69 to 72, maybe going back to 68, 68 to 72, those five years, those five seasons in basketball were awesome. I mean, just absolutely awesome. The hate between, well, South Carolina and the entire ACC. And then internally, of course, the Tobacco Road schools hated each other, but they all ganged up against South Carolina. And they hated Maryland, but Maryland hated South Carolina. And so it was every stop along the way was an absolute war. And I can remember, this is no lie, they played at the old, uh, I guess it was a memorial gym, I guess it was on the Wake Forest campus, and uh, I can remember listening to the radio, Bob Fulton, doing the broadcast. This is no joke. And I guess it was the senior year for Owens and Roach and Re- uh, Reebok and Joyce, I guess, would have been a junior. I think he was a year behind. No, no, he was with them. No, he was a year. Uh, Riker was a year behind. Anyway, that great team. And they were playing at Wake Forest, and it was late in the year, and the Gamecocks were uh, you know, beating everybody. Place was packed, about 8,000. And in the pregame, um, not the announcement, they, you know, before they announced the teams in the pregame, they, they had a uh, – this is Bob Fulton's description. I'll never forget it. <laughs> they had a toilet out on – maybe it was in the student section. It might have been out on the court. They had a toilet, and they had a, uh, a dummy made up as John Roach on a cross, and they were stuffing oh it in the toilet. Yeah. They were stuffing it in the toilet, <laughs> either on the court or in the student section. Uh, but Bob Fulton, I remember him describing that much better than I did. But the point, and they would throw hot pennies on the players. You know, the guys, the, the fans sitting behind the bench, they throw hot pennies on the back of the players, all that kind of stuff. It was roughneck basketball at its best, but the rivalries were so intense. Mm-hmm. And the ACC was a beautiful league back then. I mean, it was a beautiful league because – with the exception of Maryland, uh, you know, being an outlier up there in um, above Washington, the league was very tight. You could go from place to place to place in about four hours. You know, from Columbia to Winston-Salem is only about, without traffic, it's only about 215. It's not a long ride. It's closer than, than Clemson. I'm sorry, it's a little bit farther than Clemson. But, um, you know, if you're a fan, you could go to a game in Winston, you go to a game in Durham, you go to a game in Raleigh. And uh, yeah. and not not spend any gas at all. I imagine the travel budget for those teams back then was very low because you went everywhere by bus. <laughs> and I'm thinking as you're describing that, I'm I'm thinking following Coastal Carolina now and what they do. Their travel budget is is probably twice what the ACC schools back then spent on on getting to places because you're going from Virginia all the way out to Arkansas and Louisiana as your your geog and Texas as your geographical boundaries mm. as opposed to Georgia South Carolina well this was probably even before Georgia Tech came in the league right yeah this is before Georgia yeah. Tech yeah this <laughs> so was back when you had the original the Carolinas eight. yeah Virginia and, and Maryland yeah the original eight that came from the Southern Conference and they formed the ACC in in 1950 something and um, it, it was just a fun from a travel standpoint and a competitive standpoint and a rivalry standpoint, it was just – it was a lot of fun. And, of course, it's nowhere near the same now. None of the leagues – and I'm sure folks who grew up following the SEC kind of felt the same way about their league because mm-hmm. think about it. I mean, you had Florida, Georgia, 
Alabama, and Mississippi, and, and the state of Louisiana. Those were the states that made up the SEC, and I guess Kentucky. I guess Kentucky was the northernmost state. Kentucky, Tennessee, Kentucky, Tennessee. Then you work your way to Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, Florida, and Georgia. Those were the states that made up the SEC before expansion, right? And, um, yeah. you know, it's maybe a little bit of a trek from, say, um, Gainesville to Lexington. Uh, but otherwise, you know, it was a pretty tight drive through there. So, yeah, we've messed all that up with this expansion for football playoff purposes and television purposes. We've really kind of killed that feeling of of a tight knit uh, unit that we'll never have again. You'll, yeah. It'll never be. It'll never be that way again in college athletics. It's a shame. And I'll throw one other conference in there, Phil. That's probably thinking the exact same thing. I, uh, we don't cover them because they're in the Northeast, but the old Big East. You want to talk yeah. about a league that yeah. hated one another yes. and had some great rivalries because yes. everything was geographically close and they always all their games seemed to matter because especially in basketball, you're talking about teams that were going to Final Fours and winning national championships up there, and that, that's been uh, decimated. Absolutely. That was a fantastic, fantastic basketball league, one of the best in the country mm-hmm. um, during its day. All right, Ole Miss is up 17-14 on the Gamecocks at the under 12. So the Gamecocks are playing a little bit better. They're up to 46% shooting. Uh, Jackson's got four. Carter's got five. Uh, Wright's got three, so the Gamecocks have hit uh, a couple of three-pointers. They haven't gotten to the foul line yet. They're being out-rebounded 7-5. to five. They have not turned it over yet, so that's to their credit. They have forced two turnovers. We're going to hit the break here on Sports Talk and come back with more as we get you ready for Clemson and Wake Forest here later on. Keep an eye on South Carolina and Ole Miss. we got recruiting coming up for you as well in a little bit. We can take your phone calls if you want to join us, 888-898-2525. That's the number to reach us here on Sports Talk, the South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number. We'll hit the break. Be back with more in a moment. Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. Thank you. Thank you for world-traveling rocket scientists. For tires bigger than your grandma's house. For 3D printing research. For artists in residency. Thank you for all the things that take us to the next level. Thank you for playing the lottery. For funding scholarships. For funding grants. For funding innovation in this state. Thank you. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. Founders Federal Credit Union knows your life is busy and your money is important. We are proud to offer local personalized services and convenient online services like Founders Online and the Founders app. You'll love being with us as much as we love serving you. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership with Founders. Relax. Win with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. 
Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. We're back here in Winston-Salem, Joel Coliseum. Our phone number, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number. And since 2002, more than $999 million in lottery proceeds have been used to support K-12 programs in South Carolina. Learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash educationwins and playing for fun is a win for education. Pat tells us that he's gotten the confirmation that Alex Hemingway is out again tonight for Clemson, so they'll miss his his outside shooting. That plantar fasciitis is a hard thing to uh, to get over. It takes it just takes complete rest, and I'm sure you can aggravate it uh, easily. And they're doing the best they can to bring him along, but he's not ready to go yet. Phil, one Let more me, note. Uh, Sorry, mm-hmm. one more note on that as well. Um, just in case, I don't believe we had mentioned it yet, Clemson point guard Chase Hunter will also be out tonight, and he's the second leading scorer for the, for the Tigers with 14 points per game and 4.3 assists. He hurt his foot in the win over Duke and is not going to play tonight. It's being reported that Josh Beadle will be starting in his place. Wow. Now, Beadle played well in the win over Duke in uh, limited minutes, but that, that hurts. Hunter's been the guy – yeah. Running that offense and has done a great job. He's an aggressive point guard. Uh, he's not afraid to look for his shot. He's not afraid to attack the rim. He distributes well. That's a big loss. And he plays good defense. So that is a significant loss for Clemson. So that's a two potential starters out for them uh, tonight. So we'll see how they handle that. Uh, let me pass along a few other notes of interest from Furman businessman and philanthropist Ravenel B. Curry III has pledged $10 million for renovations to Timmins Arena. Wow. The gift is the largest in Furman Athletics history, be the cornerstone of a $40 million project. They keep renovating Timmins because they built it wrong for basketball. <laughs> I mean, it was built it was built like for concerts more than and, – and, I don't know what mm-hmm. else, but it wasn't built primarily for basketball. And now, you know, I guess to avoid building another arena for basketball or moving downtown and playing uh, downtown, you don't want to do that because you got a nice on-campus facility. It's a beautiful building from the outside, but inside, yeah, it was not built with basketball totally in mind, and they're trying to fix that problem. USC's Aaliyah Boston, the SEC uh, Player of the Week, after a pair of uh, great performances back-to-back 20-point SEC games, and first time in her career uh, she had done that, and she averaged a double-double of 20-and-a-half and 10-and-a-half. USC is ranked 23rd in the preseason poll by D1 Baseball. <clears throat> so, uh, excuse me, Gamecocks getting a little more respect in this preseason than last year when they weren't ranked, and LSU gets the nod at number one. 
followed by Tennessee, Stanford, Ole Miss, and Texas. Chris, jump in with your NFL question. Well, I was going to do that, but I wanted to uh, circle back to the uh, baseball for just a second. That's the first of, what, five or six preseason polls will come out, and one of them, I guarantee, will have the Gamecocks ranked about 40th, and then there will be one that probably has them ranked inside the top 15. Yeah. <laughs> because the preseason, as bad as preseason football and basketball polls are, I'm not sure there's a worse preseason grouping of polls than in college baseball. Let me mention, <clears throat> now that I'm back, <clears throat> with kind of a voice, Wake Forest is number six. They were uh, they were 41-19-1 last year. Florida is seven. Arkansas is eight. Oklahoma is nine. And Vanderbilt, <clears throat> Vanderbilt is ten. So you got, excuse me, <clears throat> you have um, LSU, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Texas A&M. That's four. Florida, five. Arkansas, six. You got seven of the top ten are SEC schools. Wow. How tough is that league going to be <laughs> this year, you know? Um, all right, so before we get back to what you were going to say about football, um, let me finish what I was doing here. We have Heisman odds from Bet Online. <clears throat> Heisman odds. Drake May is 5-1. to one. So South Carolina will see him in the opener. Caleb Williams is 6-1. to one. Jordan Travis is 10-1. to one. That's your guy in the ACC, perhaps, but Cade Klubnick is 25-1. to one. That'll be a great matchup whenever they play. Spencer Rattler is at 40 to 1. DJ Uyangale is 50 to 1. Will Shipley is 66 to 1. And Arch Manning, and I'm just picking some out here. This is not in any order. Right. Arch Manning is 75 to 1 going into his freshman year before he's even thrown a college pass. The uh, net rankings going into uh, tonight's game. So the College of Charleston has the best net ranking in the state at 42 after their win yesterday. Clemson comes in at 49. Furman is at 127. Wofford is 218. Charleston Southern is 253. Coastal is 263. Winthrop 266. South Carolina 270. Upstate 272. Citadel 312. South Carolina State 338. And Presbyterian at 344. Now, um, see if there's anything else I want to mention here. I think that's it. Um, football, the NFL last night. I watched the game. And I figured out how, you know, since I don't have the Packers this year to have any emotion about. You know, I like to have an emotional attachment to the playoffs. I mean, it's nice not to have one because I – I'm not tied down to my television. I don't have to Mm -hmm. rearrange the weekend for when the Packers are playing. All right, I'm free. I'm loose. I'm free. And I'm not, you know, hollering at people. I'm much friendlier, I think, this time of year than I normally am. (laughs) But I have found a way to get myself involved, and that is my revenge and avenge tour. So I'm looking at the games, and, for example, I'll use last night. Now, I hate the Cowboys, right? Mm-hmm. But I hate Tom Brady and the Bucks more because, you know, they beat the Packers at crucial time. So last night I'm rooting for the Cowboys to revenge, and uh, I won. So now I got the 49ers taking on the Cowboys. Now, I hate them both, but I will root for the <laughs> Cowboys again because I need to get revenge on the 49ers for knocking us out of the playoffs last year. So that's going to be another revenge and avenge game. I'll go for the – I go for the Cowboys. You see where right. I'm going here? So if I you're do. a team that has hurt my team, then I will be rooting against you. 
eventually I will go against the Cowboys just out of pure principle. But, boy, they looked good last night, and Tom yes, Brady looked did. old. He looked old and uh, washed up and everything else. I can't believe the Raiders or the Dolphins, there's some team out there willing mm-hmm. to mortgage their future to have him for a year or two. Well, and that brings up the question I was going to pose to you two guys, and we can you can mull over it during the uh, top of the hour break. But since you brought Tom Brady up off his 66 attempts last night and two touchdowns and a bad interception at the wrong time that they didn't need, who is more likely to return next season, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, that's a that's a very good question. Uh, that's a big question mark. Uh, who is most? I mean, I think they'll both return. I think Brady wants to continue playing, you know, and I think Rodgers is not going to walk away from sixty million dollars from the Packers. Um, you know, they'll play this out for all it's worth. But I know Green Bay does not want to be dragged out like they were dragged out last off season. They want an answer in a reasonable amount of time. And I think one of the things they're going to want is for him to participate in OTAs and preseason games. I I would think if you looked at that team, um, you know, especially this year, it's with the new receivers they have, the lack of working together eventually uh, caught up with them when the regular season got underway. And two years in a row, he has not played a preseason snap, and the Packers have gotten annihilated in the first game of the season. Um, I would imagine that they would want him to participate on the field with everything they're doing moving forward and would want an answer as soon as possible. When especially as tight as NFL competition is and getting into the playoffs, you can't afford to just give away a game to open the season because your star quarterback didn't want to show up and bother with preseason camp. Absolutely. And, yes, Pat, that was a trumpet you were hearing. Somebody was practicing the national anthem, and I can tell you he did a great job yes, with he it. Did. Love it. All right, the Gamecocks and the Mississippi Gamecocks are now down again. They're in a scoring drought. They're down 23-15, and we'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Welcome back, everybody. It's Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network from Winston-Salem, Columbia, and Sardis. Now, which one of those locations sounds out of the norm? (laughs) Winston-Salem, Columbia, Sardis. You were actually – we were debating last night. You're you're truly – Literally, not too far from Sardis, are you? No, actually, you have to go through Timmonsville to get to Sardis uh, from my house. But, yeah, they're all that's sort of the, you know, outskirts. I live in the suburbs of, of Sardis, yeah. just on the outskirts. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, 26-17, USC won for its last eight. Ole Miss won for its last seven. But the Gamecocks throw in four turnovers with uh, poor shooting, and you've got a nine-point deficit now remember earlier I said the Gamecocks hadn't turned it over very much but now they have and they're down 26-17 with 3-19 to play in the opening half Chris Deering who is a veteran sports writer and he is working with us tonight uh, covering the ball game and he will be uh, joining us at the break over there 
to give us a recap of the first half. We've got recruiting coming up for you here as well. Our phone number, 888-898-2525. Let's go to, of course, Gamecock Larry. He's our most loyal listener and caller right now of the 2023 calendar year, I'd say. He gets that award. Gamecock Larry, welcome in. How are you? Great to have you with us. Um. I got a, I had to, I wasn't gonna call, but I got a, I got the answer, Bruce in Missouri. I heard him talking about me last night, but I just wonder if the Missouri Lady Tigers got home all right after that whipping they got the other night. But also, Bruce, we got to come to you all's place next year. But uh, your coach. He has got a losing record overall. He's got a losing record in the SEC. And they came down here and they beat us last year. And when he got home, he got a $2.5 million raise. I guess he got it for beating the Gamecocks three years in a row. But that's all right. We're going to get some of that back when we get come up there next year. And that's about all I got to say. I just want to answer Bruce. I, I don't mind you talking about, talking about the Gamecocks, but I'm going to talk back at you. Go <laughs> Gamecocks. Talk to you later. Go Gamecocks. Love all y'all. All right. Thank you, uh, Gamecock Larry. Yeah, Gamecock Larry, he's always got to have somebody to be mad at when he calls the show. <laughs> Sometimes it's Tiger Bryan. Now it's Bruce from Missouri, anything related to Clemson. But, yeah, the Gamecocks now, you know, they got over several humps last year. They got over the Kentucky hump. They got over the Texas A&M hump. They got over the uh, Tennessee hump. They got over the Clemson hump. Now they got to get over the Missouri hump next year out there in Columbia, Missouri. Yeah, I just hate to mention to Gamecock Larry that his uh, ire is probably pointed in the wrong direction. If memory serves, Bruce is actually a Clemson fan, and that's why he called in last night. He's not a Missouri fan. He just happens to live there now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guilty by connection, I guess. <laughs> Once you move into the show-me state, I guess you have to turn into a, a Tigers fan. I guess, I guess. Guilt by association. Okay, thank you, uh, Gamecock Larry. Always good hearing from you. And the phone number, 888-898-2525, as we're here in Winston-Salem, and we're seeing the first uh, Wake Forest player come out and start shoot, shooting some um, some free throws, starting to loosen up a little bit. And uh, too bad Clemson's going to be down. Uh, Pat, where did you see who tweeted that out about the uh, Tigers being without Chase Hunter? Uh, well, I initially saw it on uh, via TigerNet, and it looks mm. like they cited Matt Norlander. So okay. I saw he, he initially tweeted that out back at a uh, little bit earlier this afternoon. I'm guessing you were you were on the road, probably driving at the time. Um, but just wanted to make sure we got that out there. Yeah, I'm glad you did. That's a significant piece of uh, information that the Tigers will be without him. So when you look at their lineup, and you mentioned that it'll be Beetle going into the starting lineup for Clemson tonight. I mean, that's a Significant drop-off. Hunter had started all 18 games. He was averaging 14 points, uh, about three rebounds, four assists per game, 31, about 32 minutes per game, and you're going to replace him with a guy who was red-shirted last year and 
has played, um, you know, coming off the bench primarily this season, has not started a game. This will be his first career start. He's averaging two and a half points, a little over a rebound and assists, about 16 minutes a game, Chris. So, I mean, you see it a lot with Coastal, too, when you see a, a primary player, big statistical guy go out mm-hmm. and a a sub who's, whose role has been primarily to play defense, be scrappy, eat up some time, but hasn't been asked to be a big stat guy. Uh, you're talking about, about a, a 12, 13-point swing here from one player to the next. Well, that will be an absence for sure. But, uh, you know, all Josh Beadle really has to do is just get everybody else involved. Uh, you don't have to go. and you, I'm sure Brad Brownell is not going to ask him to go out and score 15, 20 points tonight. Just make sure that you know, Hunter Tyson gets his touches and certainly that uh, P.J. Hall gets his touches, and, and they should be fine. Uh, but that is a, you don't just have two guys now out of your starting rotation that were in when they faced Wake Forest earlier in the year and won by 20. Uh, you, it's hard to replace that many players without somebody trying to do too much. So just go out and be, for lack of a better term, just go beat Josh Beadle and do what he's, he's capable of doing and make sure everybody else gets their, their touches and get involved. Well, Beetle, I was going to say, Beetle showed some good, some good things against Duke. Uh, he had a couple of, in the second half, as I recall, when Clemson was putting together a run, he had two crucial baskets in transition. So, uh, Pat, I, he, he's a kid I would imagine that if he's going to score, it's going to be primarily in transition. I don't think they'll run a lot of set offense for him. No, that's exactly the point I was going to make. Is He, he thrives in those transition-type uh, situations. Whereas once they're in the half-court set, I'd imagine he'll be more of a facilitator. Where this may, we'll have to keep an eye towards the end of the game if this is a close ball game, where this may hurt the Tigers a bit is shooting percentage. Field goal percentage, you're talking about uh, Beetle comes in at 30, just under 33%, whereas Hunter was at 42. Free throw percentage, huge difference. Uh, Hunter's an 83% free throw shooter, is one of the best in the conference, whereas Beetle comes in at just 57%. And then from three-point range, Chase Hunter is shooting over 40% from, from the perimeter, whereas Beatles just under 19%. So that's a significant drop-off from a shooting perspective. But you hit the nail on the head. He is, he is fan, fantastic in transition. He's really good on the run. But once he has to stop and defenders are able to kind of square up on him, that's where he, he tends to not quite be as good. But a name to keep an eye out for tonight, stepping up, I think would be Brevin Galloway. I would expect to see a big performance from Brevin Galloway, or at least the Tigers, to turn to him and look for a big performance out of him. And also yeah, speaking player. of three-point shooting, Phil, yeah. you, mm-hmm. you've got two guys that can knock it down from the outside on a team that's second in the conference in three-point shooting. So they're going to have to f- figure out a way, if that's still the way they want to play against Wake Forest, they're going to have to have somebody knock down a few shots from the outside to open it up for P.J. Okay, another guy who's come on for them and given them some good minutes, and that is um, R.J. Godfrey. Uh, he is uh, a freshman. And they brought him along. Um, he is contributing uh, more and more. Six, seven. You'll see him early. He's only uh, started one game. He's played in 17. He's, he's up to about uh, a little over three points per game, a rebound and a half, seven and a half minutes per game. But his minutes are going up. And he's becoming a, a, a nice player for them. He's been of that freshman class. When you look at him and you look at um, Chauncey Wiggins and you look at Chauncey Gibson, I think he's the one who is uh, the most ready to play a, a, a fair number of minutes and, and contribute. So I imagine, you know, it'll be a shorter bench now because when you lose two starters, what do you do? You lose two guys off mm-hmm. the bench as well. 
So now they've been playing for a while without Hemingway, so they've adjusted there. But um, not having Hunter tonight means you know another person who be coming off the bench is going to have to start. It's going to mean a shorter bench. But I think uh, you know Middlebrook, Middlebrooks has been playing well for him inside. Shifrin's been playing well for him inside. And you look at what uh, Wake Forest is going to put on the floor tonight as far as their starting lineup, what they uh, typically start. Uh, they'll go with uh, a three-guard lineup, uh, Tyree Appleby. He's a grad student, and he's averaging 18. They'll go with Cameron Hildreth. Uh, he's 6'4". Appleby six feet. Hildreth is 6'4". Sophomore, he's averaging 13. Then they'll go with Damari Monsanto. He's a 6'6 guard, a junior. And he's averaging uh, 12. And then Andrew Carr at 6'10", a forward. He's averaging 12. And their center is Matthew Marsh, 7-footer. And he's averaging uh, 6.3. So, guys, they got four starters in double figures. Uh, They can score from almost every spot. They got some length. They're 6'6", 6'4", 6'10", 7 feet. And uh, now, again, Clemson beat this club by 20 at home, mm-hmm. but it was tight in the second half. That's why I think, especially with Hunter out now, uh, it's going to be a really a tight ball game tonight. Clemson's going to have to really maybe play over its head even more to win this game on the road. And they've been obviously playing very, very well this season, and Brad Brownell's going to have to lean, I think, heavily on his defense tonight, maybe keep this game a lower scoring game than you would normally expect because if Clemson gets down, say, eight, ten points, I'm not sure they've got the arsenal out of the backcourt to shoot them back into ball games, as was the case when they were down seven at halftime in Wake Forest and blitzed them in the second half, scoring 51 points and winning easily. So it should be a really interesting ball game. I just hate it's a 9 o'clock tip. Hmm. I mean, I, I don't have anywhere to go in the morning, but there are some people who might. And so starting so late on the East Coast, you'd like to see those games not starting later than 7 or 8 o'clock at, at, at least. But, oh, well. TV doesn't care about you. Yes, they it didn't doesn't ask care me. about right. me. How about this stretch for Wake? They've won three in a row. They got Clemson tonight. They got Virginia here on Saturday. Then they go to Pitt. Then a game at NC State here. And then they go to Duke. So the rest Ooh. of their January is pretty exciting. And if they're playing good basketball, and look, they score. They average 77 points a game. So they get up and down the floor, and they can shoot it, as I mentioned, 47% as a team from the floor. That's some that's some good shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, 30-20 is the halftime score over the Colonial Life Arena. It's Mississippi leading the Gamecocks 30-20. to 20. So uh, Gamecocks don't score. They go 8 of 27 in the first half. That is 30%. Two of 11 from three, and two of four from the line. Uh, they're out-rebounded uh, 19 to 17. Turnovers are even at five. And the Gamecocks are being led in scoring by Carter with five. G.G. Jackson, another tough night shooting the basketball at home. Two of seven, 0 for two. He's got four points and three rebounds. Leading the way for Ole Miss thus far is uh, Javais. May I, maybe I should say Javius, Javius McKinnis, and he's got eight, and uh, Matthew Morell has got seven for Ole Miss. So Ole Miss is up ten, seeking their first SEC win. But as we said earlier, you really shouldn't judge them by their record because they played a tough SEC schedule. They probably were looking forward to this game, guys, to, <laughs> to get on the road against a poor team and get on the win side of things in the SEC. 
Well, they've been great on defense. Again, Cox went the final 12 minutes of the game field, uh, first half rather, making two field goals. Oh. You're not going to beat anybody when you just can't score. They're actually being competitive. One thing we had harped on at the very beginning of the game was getting all the backboards. They're hanging in there with Ole Miss there. But, I mean, they, they finished the first half. Their last field goal before the one that uh, Davis tipped in or had a layup right before the uh, buzzer with about 45 seconds left to go in the first half was Hayden Brown lay-in. But outside of that, they, they missed their last uh, seven of their last eight and, went through, as I mentioned, went the final 12 minutes with just two field goals. They are lucky, quite frankly, because of how bad offensively they've been. They are lucky to only be down 10. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at the rest of their schedule, and, I mean, lose this game. Who can they beat? you got Mississippi State at home on January 31st. Okay, that's winnable. But um, – well, Georgia's on there, and they always beat Georgia. Yeah, but Georgia's pretty good this year. <laughs> Frank's no longer coaching them. That jinx is gone. That jinx gone up to UMass. They got Mississippi State twice, home and away. Those are about the only two games left. Maybe Vanderbilt at home. That's three. That would be three possible wins that I would see on paper. Maybe that mm-hmm. trip to Ole Miss would be four. But, I mean, if you lose to Ole Miss at home, it makes you think you can beat them on yep. the road. I only see, really – of course, you never know. Every game is different. There's some games you're up, and just like Kentucky, nobody saw that happening. But there's really, on paper, about four opportunities for the Gamecocks uh, to get wins as they as they go on down the stretch. Okay, we go to the break here on Sports Talk, and we'll continue. We've got recruiting coming up for you in just a moment. If you want to join us, phone number 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery here on Sports Talk. Chris Deering will be hollering at us from the CLA, give us more of an in-person recap of the uh, first half there. And we'll be back with more in a moment and continue from here in Winston-Salem, also in Columbia, the Dave & Buster Studios, and in Sardis at the Berkey Palace. Back in a moment. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's, where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com.
right, welcome back, everybody. Let's head over to the Colonial Lifeless Arena. I mean, I mean the Colonial Life <laughs> Arena. And uh, it's not lifeless when the women play, I'll tell you that. Uh, let's welcome in Chris Deering, who we have um, – we have uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? We have Coming drafted, here. we yes. have draft, drafted, yeah, we have, re- recruited, re- recruited. You know, you want to call it. We we gave him an NIL offer he couldn't refuse, and uh, Chris, a veteran, of course, of, of, of sports writing in Columbia with the state. He's with the Prep Red Zone. He's with us on our Friday night shows, and now he's going to help us out on Sports Talk to cover uh, various games that uh, we're not able to get to because we only have so many people, right? And we appreciate it very much. And um, you're seeing, uh, once again, a, a poor outing by the Gamecocks in that first half. Well, yeah, the, the, there's basketball, basketball being played here tonight at Colonial Life Arena, but I don't know how good it is by either team. Yeah. Um, the Rebels lead 30-20 to 20 at halftime. Uh, you know, they – Ole Miss came into this game, one of the worst uh, three-point shooting teams in the country, and they've hit five in the first half, shooting a little 38% from from long range, and um, that, that's really giving them the lead. Uh, uh, that's the difference in the ballgame. South Carolina, on the, on the other hand, is shooting 29.6%. Don't really have a lot going offensively. I only had two, two field goals the last 12 minutes of the half. So just a really, really um, – Slow start to the Gamecocks, which we've seen time and time again here at the CLA. Yes, yes, it's a it's a broken record for them uh, from that standpoint. What is Ole Miss doing defensively that's giving the Gamecocks uh, problems, or is it just that's just the way they are? Uh, I, I think that's just the way they are. Uh, it's it's not anything they're doing. I mean, the rebounding battle is pretty close. It's even almost at the half. Um, it, it's just. South Carolina's not knocking down shots. They're 2 of 11 from long range, uh, 8 for 27 overall. And like I said, you only make two field goals in the last 12 minutes of the half. That's that's not a good showing. Uh, no, it's not. Um, are the Gamecocks able to get good looks offensively and just not knock them down, or are they having a hard time working their offense and finding some room to shoot? Uh, you know, I think they've had some good looks. Uh, they've only got five turnovers at this point, I believe. Um so it's not like they're turning the ball over and, and not getting shots up, not getting many second-chance uh, opportunities, but they are getting shots off. You know, I call it the, the, the Michi effect. He's taking some, you know, out, out near the, the logo at midcourt like he mm. likes to do. But, you know, at, at Kentucky, he knocked those shots down. So I guess he's got the green light to shoot from anywhere. Um, but they're just not falling tonight. Um, I think Chico Carter's got one three uh the Kobe Wrights hit another one, and outside of that, uh, they've come up empty from three-point land. Um, you know, I thought the Gamecocks have trailed most of the way. They got it back to 18-15 uh, on, a, on a big dunk by Gigi Jackson, and I thought that might, you know, start a good run for them, but they weren't able to capitalize on that, and Ole Miss was uh, led most of the first half. Much of a crowd on hand for this game? Um, that, the answer to that would be no. Uh, yeah. I tweeted out a, a picture right at tip, and it's a midweek game. It's a little rainy here in Columbia on Tuesday afternoon, and uh, just not many people coming out. You know, maybe the most disappointing thing of if I'm a South Carolina player or, you know, with the athletic department or whatever is the, the turnout for the students. Uh, not many students. They got some on, on the half court, on the on the mid court, wherever they place them, but the, the end zone are pretty empty, and I think that would be a really disappointment for – 
for any student athlete to come out and play in front of that and for the administration to, to see that on, on a Tuesday night. Plus, you got high school basketball taking place all over the place, too. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's just it, when your team's not going well and you're forced to play a game at 630 in a place like Columbia, this is what you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, you, you think about it. I mean, back-to-back games at home, they've lost by 40-plus points. So, I don't think there a lot of excitement is there. And I, I would think, you know, it's sort of funny when I was driving down here, I saw more students walking away from the Colonial Life Arena and walking towards the Colonial Life Arena. And, Bill, you and I have both been around long enough to, to see that that's, we've seen that the other direction before. Yes. And so it was sort of just odd to see that tonight as I was driving in. Yes, yes. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate the updates. Remind everybody to follow along on our Twitter as you tweet things out here in the second half at Sports Talk SC and read your postgame story on our website, sportstalksc.com. We thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thank you. Y'all have a great night. You too. Thanks, Chris. All right. There you go. Another Chris. We've got too many Chris's in the operation. Chris Popular name. Deering. <laughs> Chris But he's right. Deering. You know, I can understand, and I'm, I hate to criticize fans because, as we've talked before, you do what you feel is proper with your money, and it's entertainment, and everybody's got probably less amount of disposable income than we've had in the past. But the students have no excuse for not getting out there and supporting their school, and, and that's a shame. I realize they're not playing really good basketball, but you could actually be a factor, especially the students, could be yeah. a factor in the game. And it's not as if you get all these opportunities to see them play at home. There aren't all that many opportunities throughout the uh, basketball season. You should be there. And that's I, – I get Chris's point about that. I, I'm sure the USC administration is disappointed with the uh, student turnout for tonight. Well, you can't make them come. And, I mean, the only thing that attracts fans, students or otherwise, is winning. Mm-hmm. And that's just the bottom line. And this is a dreadful basketball team. I hate to say it. You know, you don't like to put those kind of words out there. But it's a dreadful basketball team that as we look at them game in game out as I went over the schedule earlier there is not much hope for this team maybe on a given night like up at Kentucky I don't know what in the world happened that night but that's going to be an outlier I think for this team to have that kind of performance against that team in that arena I just don't see many wins the rest of the way and they're not competitive that's the other thing it's not like they're losing at the buzzer losing by three or four at home, they're getting annihilated. So it's just not its just not good, and people aren't going to go look at a bad product. That's the bottom line. We'll come back with a great product, and that is the recruiting report for you tonight. That's coming up next here on Sports Talk. Be right back. Let's do some recruiting here on this Tuesday night from the Joel Coliseum here in Winston-Salem as we see members of the Tigers, members of the Deacon Deacons on the court taking some warm-up shots. I don't know about you, Chris and Pat. I mentioned this when we were at Little John. Warm-ups, always my favorite part when I was a high schooler, always my favorite part because (laughs) it was the only time I got a chance to break a sweat. Man, I would play hard during warm-ups. You'd see me get, oh, four or five shots off. You know, the starters would always get the most shots, of course, and the bench boys would rebound and throw it out to them, right? Mm -hmm. Once they got loose and all sweaty and all that, 
then, you know, they'd go grab an orange or, a, a, or some water, a cup of water. We'd get our three or four shots, and then they'd go back to, to being ball hogs. So, anyway, always love the layup line and the shoot-around. Recruiting brought to you by Seawells. Of course, the Seawells folks want to invite you out for the daily luncheon buffet. Coming up on Wednesday, uh, Pat, have you had a chance to check out the menu? Can you give us some idea what will be served on Wednesday from 11 till 2 for only 13 little $1 bills? Phil, it's a great menu this week. I was there today. I won't torture you guys with what I ate, but it was magnificent. Uh, Lots and lots of red meat, lots of gravy. But tomorrow on Hump Day, Seawells will be bringing carved rosemary pork loin along with southern fried chicken and pulled pork. Mm. What a lineup. That's a lineup to drool over. You know, we, we see lineups, basketball lineups, football lineups. But that's a lineup to drool over right there. And the very best in the catering business, you know that's at Seawells as well. So call them up, 803-771-7385, online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. So Shane Beamer put out another commitment alert for the 23 class. Last night it was during the Cowboys and Buccaneers game. And no one has come forward yet to claim it that I've seen. So that remains to be uh, resolved uh, at some point. Meantime, for those of you who weren't with us earlier, we talked about Trajan Jeffcoat. A source this afternoon tells us the efforts continue to have Gamecock officials accept the transfer from Missouri into the football program. They have until midnight tonight to get it done. The issue here dates back to Jeff Coates' early years at Missouri, not academic-related, not legal-related, not illegal, et cetera. Um, and so they're trying to see if they can get the powers that be, whatever it is, whoever it is that's holding this up, to come around. Significant decision here for South Carolina. I mean, you, I don't think you can overstate it here. I mean, you know, there's other – I looked through the list of available defensive ends, rush ends, in the portal, John, the on-three transfer portal, John, and like some of the available rushers still out there, Rick Diabru, 6'2", 257 from East Carolina, Iyobi Oki, 6'5", 245 of Michigan. The only problem with them – He's already transferred four times. <laughs> he's already he's transferred freshman, four right? times, and he's back in the portal, John. That's unbelievable. And then there's Quinn Williams, 6'2", 240 of Georgia Southern. The point is, you know, those are some of the guys who are, who are still available in the portal, John. Uh, this guy would, would fit in perfectly at South Carolina if they could make it happen. Now, running back. Chris Davis, 5'11", 165, and his teammate, defensive end, Jamonta Waller, 6'2", 225. They both plan to be at USC for the junior day on Saturday. Davis tells us that Montario Hardesty came down and checked him out in December, been in touch ever since. Uh, Davis has offers from Florida State, Boston College, Penn State, Mississippi State, Auburn, Missouri, Western Kentucky, Cincinnati, Georgia Tech, and South Carolina. And during the season, he visited Georgia and Mississippi State. He plans to go to Florida State next weekend. This season, 1,078 yards, 15 touchdowns. He averaged nearly nine yards per carry. 
Uh, let's see. Northwestern wide receiver Elijah Caldwell. He plans to take an official to USC this weekend. He was at NC State last weekend. Uh, South Carolina coaches have been in to see him. They were in, um, I think it was the end of last week. And, uh, you know, South Carolina should be in good shape with him, considering their history in Rock Hill at Northwestern. They should be in good shape. He said he had a good visit to NC State. He liked it and all that. They have a new offensive coordinator. They're going to throw the ball a good bit, too. We'll see what South Carolina can sell him on. Coach Eddie Ford at Woodland told us today offensive tackle Cam Pringle has made up his mind with his commitment announcement coming Sunday at 2 o'clock. USC coaches were in on Friday. Uh, Georgia coach Kirby Smart, get this, guys. He said Kirby Smart is coming in tomorrow by helicopter. And the Clemson coaches will be expected in uh, this week as well. But Kirby Smart's going to bring the old dog chopper over to Woodland (laughs) tomorrow. I wonder if he's going to hopscotch around the state. He does that in Georgia. I wonder if he'll do that in South Carolina. Be careful. if you're him, yeah. Be careful, Kirby. He's got everything rolling. Well, (laughs) no, here's what I'm going to say. You you might find some Gamecock and Clemson fans out there with BB guns, (laughs) uh, you know, taking shots at you. I'm not suggesting anything like that happens. That's a pretty good ride by helicopter from Athens down to Dorchester County, I imagine, you know. Unless he's going to fly into Charleston and chop her out to Woodland. I don't know. He, the, the, Coach Ford said he's coming by helicopter. You know, they kind of make that a big deal there in Georgia. Just like when Muschamp had the bus, had the Champ bus that uh, he would drive around South Carolina in. Uh, USC offered wide receiver Jeremiah McClellan of St. Louis and defensive tackle Dominique McKinley of Lafayette, Louisiana, 6'7", uh, Clemson target defensive tackle Champ Thompson was offered by Colorado and LSU. Tight end Michael Smith of Savannah told us last night he's not going to make it to the USC Junior Day Saturday because of a basketball game. He is announcing on the 24th, USC, Tennessee, Ohio State, and Arkansas, his four finalists. There seems to be feeling out there that it's going to be South Carolina. Uh, We shall wait and see on that. But uh, he's been to South Carolina a few times, so it's not like he needs to be there Saturday for any further uh, feeling or information on them. Uh, USC target offensive lineman Mike Williams from up in um, Maryland, who's coming down to South Carolina Saturday, is going to be at Michigan State on the 28th for another of those uh, junior days. Okay, there you go. There you go with recruiting here on Sports Talk, brought to you by Seawells. All right. Question about junior days. Yes. Do the football programs, USC, Clemson, Michigan State, whomever, do they plan those around a home basketball weekend? Because if not, I wonder. Okay. Yeah. Because I was wondering why Shane Beamer would try and have football going on the same day that USC plays Auburn in basketball at home. Yeah, typically they come in early in the morning. Yeah, I say early, you know, 8 o'clock. That's early for some people. Real early for me. (laughs) Maybe not for you and Pat. But they get started like maybe 8 in the morning, and they have Mm -hmm. their academic rounds, and they do their tour of the campus and facilities, and then you have meetings with the individual coaches, your position coach that you might have, and you have your meeting with Beamer and all that. And um, usually – they try to get over to the basketball game with 
whichever players, not like if the basketball game has like a noon or one tip-off, then like everybody will come. I think the Auburn game next week has a later tip-off, doesn't it? 3.30. Yeah. So they might all come or some might call it a day and who, those who have longer rides might go on back home, that right. sort of thing. All depends on your own situation. But, yeah, you know, especially at Clemson, we're on the weekend this time of year. Let's face it, there's not much to do. Um, they love to have a home basketball game. Mm-hmm. In fact, of course, they used to make a big deal out of it. Um, back when um, – back, I'm trying to think, was it, uh, was it during the, the Sweeney era or, the, or maybe I'm thinking about the Ford days. I mean, they used to really make a big deal of um, – having the football players, uh, the recruits, all sitting in one section behind one of the baskets in the end zone. And though you couldn't identify him and you couldn't announce it, you know, you'd see Danny Ford, uh, Chuck Reedy, the various coaches going over and sitting with particular players. Um, Maybe we've seen the same thing with – and that's when they used to come in in big numbers. Now, Clemson's got a big junior day on the 28th. They'll have a pretty – Pretty good number of players in for that. Is there? Do they have a home game on the twenty eighth? Let me. No, they're take actually at Florida State that day. Okay, so they'll be. Those guys will be focused all on football that particular day and won't be getting over for that. But yeah, uh, they do try and uh, get you over to a basketball game if, if something's going on. I want to mention this too. Uh, let me pull this up real quick because I wanted to mention this about it's got recruiting. It's got a recruiting tie to it. I retweeted this earlier today, and um, let me pull it up here. So, and my my line on this tweet was, these young men share their opinion on new rankings. These are high school players. This was on Instagram. These guys are down in Lakeland, Florida, or in that part of Florida, um, maybe South Florida, Lakeland, Florida. So, apparently, on three came out with some new rankings, and they ranked some players, you know, however they rank them. Mm-hmm. Well, this group of players, they went on Instagram and they, they took exception to these rankings. And I'm only bringing this up because here we go with this kind of reaction by uh, players to rankings. They, they took a group picture of them. I'm not going to say what they said. It was blank on three. And then at the bottom of the picture, all my homies hate on three. And then they put in text here. They, they talk about one of their players being the best DB in the class, dominated at the seven-on-seven. Seven. Um, and he, they write all their hard work the past three years negated by their performance at the Under Armour game, question mark. So why even rank them prior to the game at on three recruits? This is just wrong, LOL. Time will tell. Um, and, and I bring it up to just – kind of talk about the whole ranking process, the whole deal of ranking. And, you know, from time to time we see some athletes, you know, speak out about rankings and how they feel about how they're being ranked. Uh, obviously mm-hmm. they have their own opinion about themselves, but also how the rankers are influenced with how they rank players. Maybe it's something they see in an all-star game setting. Maybe I know they get pressure from college recruiters to rank guys certain ways. And I just, you know, when a, when a group of players, Chris and Pat, react publicly like this to rankings, I mean, I think that's just that's part of today's landscape when it comes to college athletics, but it also 
kind of shows you the players, I guess, get annoyed with the with the ranking or with the ranking system or how they are ranked when the, when the ranking doesn't meet what they think they should be ranked. Well, I think it goes back to uh, maybe some NIL money. Maybe they feel like they might get slighted when they come in if they're not a five-star recruit as opposed to maybe a four- or three-star. In the past, it was a situation where if you were ranked low, all right, I'm just going to go out and prove that I'm better than this person or this yeah. player or this ranking. Now it's a situation where you're disrespecting me on social media and I'm going to lash back out at you. And I don't think that's the, the way to, to do it any, uh, either way. However, that being said, I mean, that's, that's the, the new era of college athletics, not just football that we're in right now. Uh, Pat, you have sent me something about uh, Stetson Bennett. What you got? Well, I was curious if you guys had seen this and would let you then determine whether it was something to, to mention or not. It just seems like some drama out of Athens. I guess that during their celebratory parade for the Bulldogs celebrating their second consecutive national championship, um, this guy has a check mark on Twitter. I've never heard of him, but his name's Stake Shapiro. He's listed as a founder oh, of Steak Host Shapiro. Atlanta Eats. And, I'll tell you, Stake yeah. Shapiro, if this is the Stake Shapiro that I know the name, he's a former, yeah, he's a former sportscaster. Yeah. Might still be. He's a He was a big-time, was or still is a big-time sportscaster in the Atlanta market. Stake Shapiro, yeah. Been around Georgia football for a long, long time. So what you got? Well, he tweeted out today, quote, Stetson Bennett needed someone to tell him to get off his damn phone during a parade and to show some graciousness and appreciation to the fans that were sitting in that stadium. You want to crush the media you think were mean to you, do it in a press conference. Hashtag bad moments. Hmm. And then he went on to say, so one guy is dissing him, Stetson Bennett, on Twitter, and Stetson decides to be a jerk on a day he should be thanking the fans. Not sure where the argument or where his frustration's coming from, but um, but Stetson Bennett, of course, then felt the need to to respond, and, and quite frankly, good for him. He then went on a long response, um, basically just hushing this guy up, saying, "quote I'm sorry to the fans who felt underappreciated, un- excuse me, unappreciated. That couldn't be further from the truth. I was just playing some tunes. Uh, I won't read the whole thing, but he basically goes on to explain that." He was on his phone because he was in charge of playing the music in that particular vehicle during the parade. And so he was looking at his phone to, to play music and um, went on to just talk about how he was celebrating this day with his teammates and was very cordial and appreciative of all the fans. And uh, um, just seems like one of those Twitter controversies that's getting stirred <laughs> up here between I, I don't know. And a, he writes, he writes down here at the very end, he writes down here at the very end, P.S., I don't like you very much, Mr. <laughs> Steak and Shake Shapiro, but to be fair, I'm not a fan of your work either. <laughs> and, wow. you know, I'm like, I don't know Steak Shapiro. I don't know what kind of broadcaster he is, if he's one of those yellers and screamers and all that kind of stuff. I have no idea how he does his thing. But, I mean, come on. I, to call out the most popular – person in the state of Georgia right now are you just is he trying to make his own name for himself once again what's the purpose what's the end game here especially over such a stupid thing what's the end game he's trying to reach here with this tweet anybody got an idea no other than I think uh, get exactly what we're doing right now that's to talk about the scenario I think uh, Stetson could have uh, you know, compartmentalized everything he wrote down to that last uh, statement that you read. 
that he doesn't like him and he's not a fan of his work either and just left it at that. But I, I do respect him for coming out and saying, here's the reason why. Yeah. So to make it's him embarrassing. look foolish. It's, em- yeah. it's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for the, for the guy for embarrassing himself so badly. And I imagine he's getting blown up by Georgia fans. Oh, he's probably he's loving right. it. Now he's probably mm-hmm. going on his radio show and saying, hey, Look what I've done here, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay. and, and sorry, real quick, Phil, yeah. and just, just one other comment just to read from this. Love what Stetson said, quote, and while we as a team very much so appreciate the fans, we as individuals appreciate our teammates, you know, the ones we've broken bones and torn ligaments and bled for and cried and changed and grown and laughed with for years now. And then he goes on to talk about celebrating, but just I think anybody that has ever spent time in a locker room and been around teammates, whether you won a championship or not, could certainly appreciate what he's saying there. Uh, Yes, players will certainly appreciate fans for coming out there, but it's a totally different animal when you talk about the guys and gals that are in that locker room with you and have put in those blood, sweat, and tears. So, yeah, kudos to him, to Stetson, that is. Yeah, Uh, again, it's, you know, that's a pretty competitive sports radio market there in Atlanta. Sounds like somebody, if he's on one of those shows there, I know at one time he was. Don't know if he is. But, you know, sounds to me like somebody who's just trying to gem it up for his particular show or his particular station. But you're taking on the wrong guy. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, you might as well be a, a guy in the upstate doing a radio show <laughs> calling out Trevor Lawrence or Trevor. Hunter Renfro. You know, you're taking on the wrong guy. You're going yeah. to lose that battle 100 out of 100 times. Um, like the Gamecock basketball team, they're down 45-31, a 10-0 run. For Ole Miss, Gamecocks in a 527 scoring drought. They're 0 for their last five. We got to go to a break, or we're going to be put in a drought. And we'll come back with our final minutes tonight from here at Winston Salem, from over in Columbia, the Dave and Buster Studios, and of course over in Sardis at the Bergy Palace, where Finn reigns supreme. It's Finn and everybody else at the Bergy Palace. We'll hit the break. Be back in a moment. Major Downer here from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Boating season is just around the corner. To make sure that your boat is ready, check your registration sticker and ensure it's current. Find your registration card, make sure your life jackets are in good shape, and check your fire extinguisher as well. For more information on boating or boat tiling questions, visit dnr.sc.gov backslash boating. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Join the Trailblaze Challenge, the endurance hike program where big hearts come together for big steps to create hope for local wish families through Make-A-Wish South Carolina. This spring, take part in a new journey on the Palmetto Trail. From sunrise on the highest peak in South Carolina to the coastal marshes of the Lowcountry, hikers of all levels can support critically ill children, enjoy and explore the outdoors, and build South Carolina pride and community through an all-inclusive hike experience. Visit sctrailblazechallenge.org to learn how to get started. That's sctrailblazechallenge.org. All 
Now, Joe Lenardi put out his new bracket for the NCAA tournament uh, this morning. And as far as the uh, Clemson Tigers go, Tigers getting ready to take on Wake Forest here tonight. And he has got Clemson right now as an eight seed in the West Regional playing in Birmingham. The West Regional ultimately going to Las Vegas. So he's got Clemson as the eight seed playing Arizona State in Birmingham in the uh, the first couple of rounds there. So uh, let's see what else he's got. Anybody else from the state? I oh, got to have Charleston in here somewhere. Yeah. Let's see. Charleston, Charleston, Charleston. Give me a second here. And I'll see if I can pull it up. There he is. Got Charleston as a 10th seed. Charleston as a 10th seed facing Iowa in the Midwest Regional that feeds into Kansas City playing in Denver in the first two rounds. The winner of that game would get Gonzaga or SIU Edwardsville. Take a guess who's going to win that. Um, So Charleston, Iowa, a 10-7. Gonzaga, SIU Edwardsville, a 2-15. Boy, that All would right. be a trendy 10 over the 7 upset pick if that actually came to fruition. And props to the NCAA committee if they gave Charleston a seating that high. Not only their body of work has deserved that, if not higher, but certainly, you know, coming from a one-bid league, you would start thinking they wouldn't get anywhere close to that kind of respect. But a 10 seed for a team out of the Colonial, maybe historic. I'm not sure because they're not going to get many uh, inside the top 10 seeds. All right, let's update some other games that are going on. Uh, we've got Kansas State leading Kansas, 42-39. as late in the first half. Mississippi State leading Tennessee, 23-17, late in the first half. What's happened to Tennessee that makes sense. all of a sudden? <laughs> I don't know. Holy cow. Did they, did they use it all in Columbia last week? I, I don't know. They looked like they could have beaten the, the Celtics when they played in Columbia. Um Let's see if we got some other scores. What time is it? It's almost 8 o'clock. So some of these games, um, not seeing scores updated. So let me let me do some clicking here. Okay, NC State is leading Georgia Tech 42-37. That's at the half. Uh, we've got um, – see what else we got playing here tonight. So we got that one. And um, Boston College is playing North Carolina. Down the road from us, North Carolina is leading Boston College 31-26. That's at the half. You know, I can remember back in the day, well, here's another one, Florida State, Notre Dame, and it's 39-29 Florida State at the half. I remember one time it worked out where all four teams on Tobacco Road were at home on the same day. It must have been a Saturday. And I think an intrepid writer from up this way and, and the game times were all different. And an intrepid rider from up this way arranged it so he could hit all four games. <laughs> wow. That's so, impressive. Yeah, that'd be pretty neat. You know, I guess you would start at, at on one end and work your way towards the mm-hmm. other. So you'd start here in Winston, I guess. And then you'd go to Durham. And then you would hit uh, Chapel Hill. And then you'd hit Raleigh on the other side of uh, heading down I-40 going east there. So, uh, last update on the Gamecocks, uh, down 10 at the uh, under 8. Timeout, 45-35. A reminder, check out our post-game coverage of uh, South Carolina Ole Miss on our website, sportstalksc.com. Follow me here on Twitter tonight for Clemson Wake and our post-game coverage on the website, sportstalksc.com. See you guys back in Columbia tomorrow. Thank you, Chris. Yes, sir. Thank you, Pat. 
And thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight here on Sports Talk. We'll see you tomorrow night. Have a great evening.